Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so Isn't much science to disprove the Bible? Good. How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Hi, everyone. I, I realized this weekend, or actually my, my wife made me aware this weekend, that, that one of my greatest strengths is also one of my greatest weaknesses. You see, I'm, I'm quite task-orientated. I'm quite task-driven and a bit stubborn, so I tend to stick with things until they're done. I, I like, to, like to accomplish things, uh, whether it be a sporting activity or a work activity or, or just some task anyway. But the trouble is, my, my strength, that being a strength, uh, the weakness side of it is I, I often accomplish it at the cost of everyone else. So I, I found that in my previous employment um, that, that I would be so gung-ho to get things done, I would neglect people and other things. And my wife reminded me, and quite rightly so this weekend, that, that I, I'd spent a lot of time um, on a particular task outside our house doing, doing something in the outside, which, which I love doing, uh, but I also love, I love accomplishing. But I'd, I'd spent so much time, I had, I'd neglected her. And, and it, she, she was quite right to remind me. I think I was a bit defensive at first. And, and the old argument of, well, I've spent, you know, six or seven hours a night with you. That's a third of my day in the same bed as you uh, didn't really work. Um, and quite rightly so. So having been reprimanded, um, I certainly reminded um, that, that I need to and also want to spend more time with my wife. Um, and and it, I, I say that as we come into this talk this morning, the, the, the word I've been given or this, the area in the Old Testament is the temple. And, and I'm so thankful as I think about my neglect of time spending with somebody I love, my wife, um, I'm glad that God doesn't do that with us. And, and it kind of leads us into this, this topic of, of the temple. And to do that, we need to kind of go back in time because the, the, the temple, the tabernacle, um, they, they were designed because God wanted to, his pursuit of a relationship with man in, in lots of different levels. It's, a, it's an ongoing pursuit we see right from Genesis to Revelation of God's desire to, to be with us, his pursuit of that, that loving relationship. So let's jump right back to, to the Garden of Eden. And if you remember at the beginning, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they walked with God. They, they were together with God in, in the Garden of Eden, it says in chapter three, in the cool of the day. So we, we can picture perhaps what that was like, but, but God's desire is he created man and woman and his desire to be with them. We know that sin, sin shattered that, sin stopped that. But then as you look through the Old Testament, you see individuals initially who, who walked with God. We're told that Enoch walked with God and then was no more because God took him. We find Noah and, and the, the, the first verses of the account of Noah are, are really tragic. I think probably the saddest verses in the Old Testament where where God was grieved that he'd made man. And I, I, think, I think it's uh, Genesis 6, 6, just a really tragic verse. God was grieved. He was sorry. He was sorry that he ever made man because he saw the wickedness throughout the land. But the next verse more or less says, says um, that Noah walked with the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord and he walked with the Lord. So individuals walked with the Lord. We know Abraham walked with God. We know Moses did as well. And, and we find throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Bible, that wherever God is, his glory is as well. And I know glory is a, is a difficult thing. You know, what is glory, God's glory? It's a difficult thing to describe. Um, in, the, in the Greek, it's doxa. And, it, and to me, I think God's glory, I mean, we talk about a radiance, a shining, all of that kind of 
visual aspect of, of God's glory. But I think most of all, his glory is his character, his personality. If you remember Moses, when, when he, said to, um, he said to God, you know, show me, your, show me your glory. And God said, I will. And he put him in that cleft of the rock. And as God passed before him, um, he, he saw his, his mercy, his kindness, his righteousness, his graciousness, all of those attributes, his loving, his loving goodness, all of that passed before Moses, his character. So I want to suggest to you that, that, that God's glory is his character, it's who he is. And, uh, and we certainly see that um, uh, as, we, as we see uh, God's presence in different aspects of, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So after individuals who walked with the Lord, had a relationship with the Lord, then we, we find this, this uh, beautiful design of the tabernacle, that this tent of meeting, uh, a temporary structure where we see the heart of God, the heart of God to dwell with his people, the Israelites. And, and the the uh, the furnishings of it. I think there's 15 chapters. 15 chapters of the Bible are spent talking about the the furnishings of the tabernacle, all the different different items and uh, and the the type of uh, material that was to be used, and has incredible significance. Far more than I would be able to to talk about in our 12, 15 minutes or whatever we're going to spend. But but each one is is such a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus and a picture of of what is to come. Not just the Lord Jesus, but also eternally as well. And, and the whole idea of, of, of being able to meet with God and, and having to, to take care of sin first in order to meet with him is pictured so well in the, in the tabernacle. Um, and, and there was instructions of, of how to, not just the items to go in it, but how it was to be set up and the Israelites around it and all have incredible significance. So if you have time, maybe make that a study this winter to look at the items of the tabernacle and the, and the temple. And... Uh, we, we always find where God is, his, his glory is as well. And if you remember when Moses went in, Moses and Joshua would, would go into the tabernacle, they would meet with God face to face. And on, on one particular instance, they, they came out, or maybe several instances, they came out and they glowed with, with his glory. They, they had to cover themselves. They had to put a veil on because, because they, they, their radiance, God, some of God's glory had, had come upon them and they, they shone. Can't imagine what that's like, but, uh, but certainly we find his glory. And then we come to the temple, which is really our topic today, and we'll just pass through it in a sense. And we know that the temple uh, was, was a more permanent structure. It's not, not a permanent structure, but it's a more permanent than the tabernacle. And the design was given to David, who then passed it on to his son Solomon because the Lord didn't want David to build it. I think because there was blood on his hands and so on. So Solomon was given the design. Solomon built it, and, and there's a great prayer in, in 1 Kings and I think 2 Chronicles, as, as Solomon, Solomon dedicates the temple to the Lord. And, and this whole idea of, of, you know, Lord, forgive us when we make mistakes in the future and, and in your loving kindness, forgive us. It's, it's a great prayer. Anyway, we, we know Solomon built the temple. It, we read that in 1 Kings chapter eight. And then uh, God's glory filled the temple, uh, a lovely picture in, in 2 Chronicles. And then um, that temple, God's glory departed from the temple because of idolatry and the Israelites uh, seeking other gods. So God's glory departed and then the temple was eventually ransacked and destroyed by the Babylonians. And then Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. You can read about that in Ezra and, uh, and Haggai. Um, so we have this rebuilding of the temple. And then again, it was rebuilt again by Herod and then destroyed in AD 70 by, by a Roman emperor Titus. Um, and, and that, that Herod, Herodian temple, Jesus referred to as a, as a den of thieves. So we come from tabernacle, God's glory, temple, God's glory, 
God departing, God's glory departing from the temple, idolatry, rebuilding, and then a den of robbers. So God's pursuit of, of man was thwarted again by, by sin, but he doesn't give up. And then we have this, this next picture of a temple of, of Jesus himself. The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in, in John 1, 14. The word, word became flesh. So Jesus, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. So I have this, this Old Testament picture of Jesus who was to come, full of grace and truth uh, and, and full of glory as well. And then Jesus says in John 2, 19, he said, destroy this temple and in, in three days I will raise it up. And obviously Jesus was referring to himself and they thought he was referring to the, to the, the physical temple, but actually he was, it was a, a great picture of what they would do to him and then what he would do in raising and being raised from the dead. And then Hebrews 9, Hebrews tells us a lot of, uh, it explains a lot of the Old Testament, explains the tabernacle, the temple, the high priest, and basically, the, if you wanted a theme for Hebrews, it's, it's Jesus is better. So every, it's, it's really better is the theme. So there's a better temple. There's a better tabernacle. There's a better high priest. There's a perfect high priest. There's a perfect tabernacle. So these verses in, in chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of all good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of by by means of blood the blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood having obtained eternal redemption the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean how much more in other words how much better will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to god cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So Jesus is better. He is a better tabernacle. He's a better temple. He's a better high priest. He's a better sacrifice. So really the fulfillment of, of the tabernacle and the temple is in Jesus. And then we have a, a, another temple. So we, we have this one in Revelation. And I love these verses. And, and we can only imagine really what, what this is like. But in second to last chapter of Revelation, in, uh, in chapter 21, verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. So this is the, the most perfect tabernacle or temple. And, and again, God's pursuit from beginning of time into, into eternity uh, is to be with men, and meaning mankind. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then again in 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. So we, we go from the, 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 the extreme details of the tabernacle with all the little details to the fulfillment of that. In, in eternity future, um, where, where God is, our, our, he is the temple and, and he is, his glory gives light. So we see this pursuit of, of God from beginning of time to the end. It's a re relentless pursuit. Um, but, but what about right now? What, what's that mean to us? Well, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, 
Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with whom you have with whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. So so we are now the dwelling place of God. Well, we are in the shell of a of a body. Actually, our, this, this is God's temple. He lives within us through the Holy Spirit. What about his glory? How does his glory, how is his glory seen through us? Well, I believe that, that God shows his character through us. And I think that's the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when you, when you meet somebody and you just think, that person must be a believer. Just the way that they act, the things they say, um, and sometimes even their countenance. We just, we just know they're saved. And it's great when you find out and you say, well, I knew you were. I could tell. And isn't that encouraging if, if that happens to you as well? as we allow God to live his life through us. When, when glory comes to us, it's, it's our own doing. But, but if we can reflect it to him as he lives his life through us, then it's certainly his glory. We're just, we're just the, the shell, the temple in which his activity takes place. So, so that's how it is now. And, and uh, Jesus said in the last, the last prayer, he prayed with the disciples in John 17. He said, he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. So where God dwells, there is his glory. So, so he's given us the glory. He's given us, in a sense, he's given us his life and his life lives through us, which is a, a displays his glory. So my question as we finish is, is you know, we've, we've seen God's, his pursuit of us, his pursuit of relationship with mankind. What about our pursuit of him? You know, in the same way I've neglected my wife because of my tasks in, in the yard outside our house. You know, do we sometimes neglect the Lord? Do we often neglect the Lord um, in, in, in our busyness of life, in the stuff that we do, in the pleasures that we seek? We maybe forget him. And one of the areas that, that I've found um, in recent years is that, that I need to be disciplined in is spending time in his word. And I remember a few years ago, I, I, I said to a friend, you know, I just, I just can't find time to be in the word. And he said to me, you'll never find time, but you can make time. And that kind of changed uh, my, my relationship with the Lord as far as my quiet time and being in the word. I realized I need to make time. I need to carve that out of my day, set that time aside. And I know that if I don't do that, I'll just drift into to neglect and so on, a bit like I did with my wife. So, so that's it. Do, do I give him my time? Do I pursue him? So thank you for, for listening. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your incredible pursuit of us, your, your pursuit of a, a loving relationship with us. Thank you that you, you've pictured that so well through, through the tabernacle, through the temple, through the Lord Jesus, and, and now in our lives um, where, where you live within us. Father, give us the, the discipline to, to desire to spend time with you and to, to carve out that time, maybe to, to set our days in a way in which it becomes a priority, even though the busyness of, of life rears its head and, and, and pulls on us and tugs on us. Father, may we uh, seek to, to spend time with you. Thank you for your incredible love and, and wanting of us and being with us. In your name, amen.